1: obstruction of justice. That phrase has been thrown around with respect to President Trump for, among other reasons, firing Jim Comey, which is, as you know, his constitutional right, and it's quite obvious that Comey was fired because he should have been fired. And there's a serious question why Barack Obama didn't fire him. But obstruction of justice. Paul Mannerford today is in federal jail, soon-to-be federal prison. He hasn't been convicted of a thing. Maybe one day he will be, but he hasn't been. A left-wing judge appointed by Barack Obama, Berman Jackson, Amy Berman Jackson, I've now looked at her background, uh, threw him in jail today at the request of Mr. Mueller. She is a judge in Washington, D.C. Mr. Mueller has brought cases against Mr. Manafort in D.C. and Virginia. She basically said she's had enough. You don't get to tamper with the court system. So Trump's accused of obstruction. Mr. Manafort's now in prison. And the irony of this in the context of what took place at the FBI is really quite incredible, is it not? The Inspector General's report at bottom is a 589 page indictment of officials at the FBI and the Department of Justice for obstructing justice for obstructing an investigation of Hillary Clinton for obstructing an indictment of Hillary Clinton and the broadest sense of obstruction of justice failing to even impanel a federal grand jury which is typical in 90% of the cases failing to secure laptops failing to secure emails months in advance of Comey's public pronouncement in July of 2016 figuring out how to obstruct justice They'd been calling it insubordination when Comey decided on his own to seize the authority of his superiors who get to make the decision on whether to prosecute somebody or not. He usurped their authority. He was insubordinate. Why? Because he wanted to obstruct an investigation that he was in charge of. And so the fix was in by James Comey and his subordinates his subordinates did what they did because James Comey wanted them to do what they did let's be honest and tonight Manafort is in prison and they keep talking about Donald Trump and obstruction of justice now, I want to make a suggestion I don't make it to be provocative I make it because I'm serious about it we have uh, a United States attorney in the District of Columbia. I didn't even know her name. I just looked it up. I believe she was appointed a year ago. Her name is Jessie Liu, L-I-U. She has a significant background. She was confirmed by the Senate in September of 2017, so she hasn't been there long. Um, she was an assistant United States attorney in the District of Columbia from 2002 to 2006, prosecuting violent crime, drug trafficking. I'm just reading her her resume here, firearms and fraud offensive at both Superior Court and Criminal Divisions, and briefing and arguing appeals in the D.C. Court of Appeals and U.S. District Court for the D.C. Circuit. Later, she served in several senior positions in the U.S. Department of Justice, including Deputy Assistant Attorney General in the Civil Rights Division, counsel to the Deputy Attorney General for National Security Matters, and Deputy Chief of Staff for the National Security Division. She was Deputy General Counsel at the U.S. Department of Treasury, advising the Secretary of Treasury and other senior Treasury officials on national security, law enforcement, and intelligence issues. Quite a qualified lady, at least based on her resume, wouldn't you say? Now, she's the United States Attorney for the District of Columbia. Now, what's the job of a United States Attorney without getting into the civil side? Well, on the criminal side, the United States Attorney, to put it succinctly, is the chief prosecutor in criminal law cases. The chief prosecutor in criminal law cases. FBI headquarters is in Washington, D.C. The Department of Justice is in Washington, D.C. Seems to me, ladies and gentlemen, if we're not going to get a special counsel, and it certainly doesn't appear that the attorney general is going to do such a thing. It certainly doesn't appear that the Deputy Attorney General is going to do such a thing, in part to protect his own ass, quite frankly. Why doesn't Ms. Liu take up the matter? Is there some prohibition? Well, Mark, she has to go through Maine Justice. Has Maine Justice told her she can't do it? She asked. I keep hearing we have United States attorneys, the United States attorneys are quite capable of investigating crimes or potential crimes. Well, what about Ms. Liu? Isn't she the U.S. Attorney for the District of Columbia, a.k.a. Washington, D.C.? Well, Mark, what specific crime are you talking about? Well, obstruction. But she can take up the same mandate in a different case involving different issues, the Hillary Clinton espionage case, as effectively the mandate that Rosenstein gave to Mueller. That is, just investigate it and see where it leads. Now, I must tell you, and I don't say this to draw attention to myself, but if I were the United States Attorney for the District of Columbia, that is exactly what I would do. And I'd make them fire me. And you know who would have to fire me? The President of the United States. He'd have to order the Attorney General or the Deputy Attorney General to fire me. Because the United States Attorney, under the Appointments Clause, is a principal officer of the United States government, nominated by the President of the United States and confirmed by the Senate. And I noticed that she was confirmed by the Senate. By a rather substantial number. So what I'm saying is. Ms. Liu. The U.S. Attorney for the District of Columbia. Should investigate what took place at the FBI. She's got a lot of leads. A virtual. You know. Zillion leads. And she's got a a document. That's 600 pages in length almost. To help give her some guidance. Guidance and panel a grand jury, and now you can use your subpoena power. Isn't it amazing that we've been debating whether or not Mueller can subpoena the President of the United States to investigate obstruction, when in fact the President has obstructed nothing? And here we have case after case after case, where senior FBI agents, top executives, people working for them and so forth, were obstructing a case for all intents and purposes with leaks, with a phony memo, reinterpreting the statute, and all the rest. It seems to me if Mr. Mueller can stretch the understanding of obstruction of justice, and his, uh, his uh, Conga line of raquettes and pom pom boys and girls and the media can do the same, then the U.S. attorney in Washington, D.C. would have even a stronger argument to make. That's her jurisdiction. I am well aware that there's a public integrity section in the criminal division of the Justice Department, but they haven't taken this up. There's no conflict if the U.S. attorney decides to take it up. No conflict with the public integrity section in the criminal division of Maine Justice. There's no conflict with a special counsel because one hasn't been appointed. There's no requirement that there be an absolute specific criminal statute. We know that already. Thanks to Mr. Rosenstein, although I would argue there could well be in this case. I've been giving this a lot of thought because many have said, where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? More congressional hearings. Congressional hearings will not hold people to account. And the media have been undermining congressional hearings. They've been undermining the the men and women who've taken the lead to try and get to the bottom of this. And while I'm not opposed to it, there needs to be this parallel course. Right now, there is no criminal investigation of the leadership of the FBI in the past or what the FBI have done. And for all we know, it's done a hell of a lot more. I'll be right back.
2: Mark Levin.
1: As directed the U.S. Attorney in Utah, John Huber, to look into allegations of bias and, among other places, certain issues related to the FBI, the actions of the Clinton Foundation and Uranium One and so forth and so on, for the purpose of reporting back to the Attorney General so he can determine whether or not to appoint a special counsel. I don't know how long that's going to take, folks, but it's seems to me that's going to take way too long. It seems to me it would take way too long. So the U.S. Attorney in Washington, D.C. should set up a federal grand jury, a grand jury, and get to work on this. Rather than waiting for Mr. Huber to examine a panoply of issues for the purpose of reporting back to the attorney general who will then decide whether or not to appoint a special counsel. Now I'm trying to raise these issues not to be provocative, not to uh, quite the contrary. I'm trying to raise these issues because they're common sense issues. It's like the appointment of Mueller I've never said the appointment of a special counsel is unconstitutional unless the appointment is unconstitutional, meaning the appointment is defective, it's too broad, where the deputy attorney general seeks wittingly or unwittingly to create a principal officer of the federal government, which he is unconstitutionally unable to do under the Appointments Clause of the Constitution. You'll hear people bloviate about this who know almost nothing about it pointing to the decision of Morrison versus Olson and say, well, what's the problem here? I mean, we have a 30-year-old opinion. You have a 30-year-old opinion that I embrace. I don't agree with it at all. I agree with the dissent by Scalia. But I embrace that it's star decisis, that is, that it's precedent. Which is why I and others, Professor Calabresi, among others, are making the point. So we look at that and we look at the Constitution. I'm looking at this too. Why shouldn't the United States Attorney for the District of Columbia, who is the chief prosecutor for criminal law cases, who has the jurisdiction, why shouldn't she jump right in? Let the Attorney General know she's jumping in, not waiting for a U.S. attorney in Utah to do an evaluation to present to the Attorney General, who will then decide whether there's a special counsel. That may be clever... That may help the Attorney General off the hook and what he wants to do, to take less heat from the Democrats. I'm not interested in any of that. They don't matter to me. And I would say with this Inspector General report, there's more reason to do it, and to do it quickly. I also remain perplexed why, particularly after the release of this Inspector General report, Nobody in position of authority is proposing the creation of a blue-ribbon commission to examine the FBI, to examine the Department of Justice and any related entities to ensure that this sort of thing doesn't happen again. To determine whether or not there needs to be a bureaucratic rearrangement or reshuffling and certain protections, checks and balances that don't currently exist. And to make their proposals. I notice the Democrats are not interested in it because that would suggest that something needs to be fixed. And they don't want anything fixed. They, They think everything is great as is. Because it bogs down the president. But where are the Republicans on this? And frankly, the White House, for that matter. Now that we have this report. We need to have some very serious, smart, more importantly, wise individuals to take a look at this. Now that we have the inspector general report, and you could do this again on a parallel course while you're conducting a criminal investigation. Look, the inspector general report, fine, don't get me wrong, but the inspector general is the inspector general. He's not a criminal prosecutor. Moreover, his recommendations are fine, but they were actually quite silly. Most of the recommendations he made are recommendations that require compliance with existing Department of Justice regulations and practices. There's nothing special in his recommendations. He's not going to recommend anything about restructuring and checks and balances and that sort of thing. It's not his job. So we have two problems here, to hold people to account. We don't need to wait for the inspector general to make a criminal referral as he did with McCabe to the U.S. Attorney's Office. The U.S. Attorney's there. She sees what's going on. She watches TV. She listens to the radio. She can listen to the inspector general, uh, excuse me, read the inspector general report with her own two eyes. She can look at these various reports coming out of these intelligence committees. If this were happening any other, federal district where we have a U.S. attorney I assume they'd pull the trigger I mean Manafort's in prison today they want to take out Trump on obstruction of justice how the hell is it possible then that the FBI can get away with this and it is getting away with this it is getting away with this you know how I know because of Christopher Ray's pathetic press conference yesterday as I pointed out on Hannity and here last night We basically says all the uh, FBI agents are going to be trained in not being biased. What the hell does that have to do with anything? Nothing. Is Mr. Comey going to be held to account? He's yet to appear in front of a federal grand jury. How about Mr. Stroke?
3: Your vote for Mark today for the National Radio Hall of Fame. You can vote by text and email. Text the number 500 to 96,000 and vote at radiovote.com.
1: You know, I should mention obviously today's Friday, so this vote ends on Monday. So uh, the National Radio Hall of Fame wants us to encourage our listeners to participate. I would like to encourage you, Levinites, to participate. If you enjoy this radio program, or you think you've learned something from it, or even if it frustrates you from time to time, I'm doing my job. I was pretty shocked that they nominated me. I suspect they'll never nominate me again. So this is your chance, we as a Levinite family here, uh, to make our mark at the National Radio Hall of Fame. So I hope you'll vote. As I say, voting ends on Monday, so you can vote right now if you like, and and here's how you do it. You text the number 500 to triple zero on your cell phone. It's that simple. Text the number 500 to nine six zero zero zero. That's 96,000. You can vote once there. Now, you can vote again by going online. And that's what the other candidates have been urging their listeners to do. I was not doing that originally. We checked with the Hall of Fame, and they said, you absolutely can. I said, all right, Chicago rules. Here we go. So you can text and, not or, and vote online by going to radiovote.com. There's two categories of candidates. The first category I'm not in, but you must vote in that category. You don't get to the second one. Or you can abstain in that category, too. They have that option. And then you go to the second category. As you scroll down, you'll see my picture or the button next to my picture. You click that, and then you submit. So I figure if we get two votes from millions and millions of you out there, your family members and so forth and so on, we may have a shot at this. You never know. I'm sure there's a campaign out there for every other candidate. I'm sure there's a campaign against me out there. That typically happens, too. So today is Friday. It ends on Monday. If you could help us out, we'd much appreciate it. Don't forget Sunday's Fox show. Man, do we have a great show on Sunday, 10 p.m. Eastern. 7 p.m. Pacific: Life Liberty and Levin on the Fox News channel. Dr. Zudi uh, Jasser. Now you might say, "Why Zudi Jasser? You're going to talk about Islam, and so sub- ladies and gentlemen, we not only talk about Islam, we talk about the nation's founding. We talk about the Declaration of Independence and John Locke and the Constitution. Uh, we talk about national security. It is a fascinating, fascinating discussion with a fascinating man. And let me make a suggestion to all of you out there, particularly those of you in Arizona, particularly Governor Ducey over there in, in Arizona, who I have met once, seemed like a fine enough gentleman. I don't know him well. Um, and it's this. Zudi Jasser would make an outstanding public official. Absolutely outstanding. Can you imagine the first Muslim, as far as I know, in the United States Senate? or a governor. I think he'd be unbelievable. Has there been a muslim even in our cabinet? I'm not sure. I'm telling you this guy really really is special and I hope you'll watch and you'll see how it relates to everything that's going on in the country. I try to make this Sunday show different from all the rest of the programs on the cable network and all the other cable networks. It's not necessarily news related. I mean, after all, it's late at night on the East Coast and other areas in the country. Uh, It's getting late at night on the West Coast. Sunday night, you don't want to hear the same thing over and over again with a conga line of guests and so forth and so on. I know you don't because I don't. So I try to make it compelling. I try to make it interesting. And so far, we've succeeded. We have very significant ratings numbers. Very significant. So uh, I hope you'll check it out this Sunday. You might want to bookmark that so you don't forget this Sunday, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. By the way, it's, it's seen all over the world, the Fox News Channel. Well, not in dictatorships, but you understand what I mean. So I think you'll like it a lot. All right, now, I want to tell you about CRTV. I wanted to let all the fans of Levin TV out there know about a special offer we have going on right now. This is something I had to fight for. We wanted to make it a little bit easier for all of our subscribers and our biggest fans to get the best pricing possible on Levin TV and the rest of the CRTV network. So we came up with our best offer yet. Now you can get a three-year subscription. Three years to CRTV, that includes Levin TV and so many other wonderful shows, only $199. You know that comes to $5.53 a month. Have you gone to a McDonald's drive through lately? You'll pay more than that for one Happy Meal. If you've been a fan of the show for a while now, you know we're in this for the long haul, and we hope you will be too. There's no other place online where you'll get the truth unfiltered and uncensored. You can give us a call right now. I know it's Friday evening, some places Friday night. I know the government shut down. We're open. Give us a call right now. 844-LEVIN-TV, 844-LEVIN-TV. Mention this ad. And you'll get three years of CRTV, $199, which is only $5.53 a month. Now, setup is very easy. It's very quick. We'll walk you through it. You'll be ready to watch in five minutes. You can watch on your smart TV and a score of other places. So give us a call at 844-LEVIN-TV. We'll get you set up right away and get the deal while you can. That's 844-LEVIN-TV. Well, I mean, how else are we going to get accountability when it comes to Comey and his uh, subordinates? I mean, we have an inspector general report that says he was insubordinate. How else? We're supposed to wait around for this U.S. attorney in Utah to investigate two or three different subjects, make a recommendation to the attorney general, and then he'll decide whether or not there has to be a special counsel? Is that swift justice? Not to me. One other thing I wanted to hit on. I know the calls, call board is full, but I want to hit on a couple other things. Isn't it precious to watch the progressive Praetorian Guard media in this country trash the president, trash conservative members of Congress, trash anybody with an independent mind who's not even a conservative necessarily, who is raising serious questions about what the FBI has done here, when in fact it is the media that should be trashed? When in fact the inspector general found That unnamed media outlets Unnamed media personalities Were giving gifts To rogue FBI agents For leaks Presumably why else would they give them gifts Taking them for meals To play golf Tickets to sporting events and God knows what else What this inspector general report Has shown among other things is that, in fact, our media are corrupt. They are not defending freedom of the press under the First Amendment of the Constitution. They are gluttonous. Gluttonous when it comes to corruption and cronyism. And they know they are. When you watch that correspondence dinner, if you have to or at least heard about it or saw a clip about it, look at that. There's your Roman Empire, right in that room. There's your Roman Senate, right in that room. Shoving food in their face, having drinks, sleazy conduct, sleazy talk. God knows how much sexual harassment goes on. Notice how fast they cut that off. Because it was reaching into Hollywood, it was reaching into the top levels of media, it was reaching into Congress, including their, their favorite members of Congress. All of a sudden, we don't hear anything anymore. Because they're corrupt. They're no damn good. They've done more damage to freedom of the press to the First Amendment than any other institution. That's the irony. And this Inspector General report puts an exclamation mark behind it. I watched this Katie Ter online, delayed, never watch it live, trashing Jim Jordan. She's got an IQ of 7. She's in there yelling and screaming as if she's a a Democrat. The president lies. He lies all the time. He lies here. He lies there. He just lies. He lies all the time. Like you, Katie, and that joke of a network you have, Conga line of fools and freaks. Lie every damn day. You lie about your objectivity. You lie about your nonpartisanship. You lie that you're there reporting the news when you're not. You don't mind when Barack Obama lies. You never did. or when Democrats lie. They always do. And you defended McCabe, who now has a criminal refer- a criminal investigation with the U.S. Attorney's office in Washington, D.C.. For lying. For lying. A disgrace. There's an institution in our country. That is not part of the government, but seeks to control the government. They seek to control who gets elected. They seek to control whether somebody is is targeted for attacks or not. They seek to control the narrative. What is the purpose? I've asked you this before. What is the purpose of CNN? What is the purpose of CNN? Why does it exist? Does anybody know? MSNBC, we know why they exist. It's the Marxist wing of the Democrat Party. They don't admit it. They never will. But CNN actually pretends to be a news operation. It's not, it's a propaganda machine. Now, by the way, FBI agents aren't allowed to take free gifts. Certainly, they're not allowed to take them and not report them on their financial disclosure reforms. There are limitations. FBI agents who are taking gifts from media types should be prosecuted. And the media types who are giving them gifts should be outed in the course of the litigation. That's why the U.S. attorney for Washington, D.C. needs to get involved in this. Not going to wait around for the U.S. attorney in Utah to make recommendations to the attorney general who will then think about whether or not he should appoint a special counsel. Rosenstein in a nanosecond, appointed a special counsel when Comey was fired. Now, I hear the media saying, Trump's lying again. He says he was totally exonerated. But he was exonerated. He was exonerated. The pretext for the appointment of a special counsel was that Trump fired Comey and may have obstructed justice or tried to cover up the Russia investigation but it's not true it's not true Comey's corrupt, Comey's unethical corrupt in the sense that he's dishonest of course he should have been fired the president did the nation a favor he had 100% reason to fire him the issue is why didn't Barack Obama fire him and we know why Cause Comey was doing his dirty work. Comey loved Obama. I'll be right back. Much lovin'. What happened to Stormy Daniels and her slip and fall porn lawyer? Didn't that go on for like five, six weeks? The disgusting media what a joke Stormy Daniels anyone get a Pulitzer for that and her clown lawyer CNN went crazy with that so did MSLSD they were having a blast and before that of course they had this guy this author Michael Wolf. what happened to him is he still with us they knew his book was full of crap but it didn't really matter he was a uh, he was a sieve through which they could pour their their progressive agenda. And so we went from him to a porn actress. Before that we had some no name backbencher professor out of Yale running around saying the president was mentally ill and the mentally ill Democrats and the mentally ill media types, that would include uh the morning Schmo and Mrs. Schmo. Going on and on about the 25th Amendment, which they don't even understand because it's easier to remove a president through impeachment than the 25th Amendment. But why confuse them with the Constitution when they don't understand any of it and don't give a damn? We've been told that our president is mentally ill and unbalanced. We are now told that our president is a pathological liar. They never said these things about Bill Clinton. They never said these things about Hillary Clinton. And they fit the bill. And they fit the bill. They knew that Ted Kennedy had left Mary Jo Kopechny in the canal on Chappaquiddick. And as a result, she died. And he was the lion of the Senate. They loved the guy. Because they loved the agenda. Where's this guy Schneiderman from New York? It's as if he never existed Schneiderman Replaced by another nitwit The media in this country It is a broken institution It is a broken institution It would be nice if they were just honest And would admit who they are And which party they're with Instead they, they lie to us I I want to underscore this point so the backbenchers on Monday can regurgitate it. I do a lot of thinking for them, as you well know. And here's the point. The institution that is most corrupt in this country right now, the media. They pretend they're objective. They're not objective. They pretend they're nonpartisan. They're not nonpartisan. They pretend they bring you the news. When they bring you the news, it's the exception to the rule. When you watch these interviews... By this clown, Katie Turr, or any of the other conga line of clowns over there and CNN and so forth, and some clowns even at my uh, favorite network. When you watch them, you know they have an agenda. They're not seeking information. They might as well be Democrats on Capitol Hill. Tell me, are the talking points on Capitol Hill among the Democrats any different than the talking points among the media? He's a liar. Oh, yeah, He's he's a liar. He's a liar. He's a liar. He's a liar. These fools, six weeks ago, said that Trump was going to get us into a nuclear war with North Korea. Now they're saying that Trump's too soft on North Korea. They can't even get their own propaganda straight. All right. Let's take a call here if I can uh, find my call screen. There it is. Full board. Linda. Los Angeles, California, 870 The Answer disagrees with me. Yes. How may I help you?
4: Well, thank you for taking my call. Uh, Fox News is clearly slanted to the right. So and I, it has never been true that they're fair and balanced. And when you talk about slanted panels...
1: They don't even use that I, phrase. They don't even use that phrase anymore. But I can name a bunch of Obama appointees and others who work at Fox. Can you name any Reagan appointees or Trump appointees who work at MSNBC? No, but if you want to. Hold talk on, about, slow down, pal. Name one.
4: What? No, I just some. to say if you want to talk about journalism being slanted, Fox News is clearly slanted to the right, but you don't bring that up clearly
1: because. What uh, do you mean I don't bring it up? Most of the hosts are conservatives. Excuse me? I bring it up all the time. I don't, do do way way. I don't apologize for it. I don't apologize for it. Lady, you're not even listening to me. I said I don't apologize for it. But if you talk to CNN, they'll tell you they're not. I know, but why do you uh, You're going to keep why? repeating yourself, aren't you? Ma'am, I believe Fox is the most conservative cable channel out there. Did you hear what I just said? Okay. So why are you arguing with me? Because okay. you're a liberal. Now, now, answer me about CNN. Liberal or not? Yes, it clearly is, but... MSNBC, is- liberal or not? Okay, why do you want to take calls? Answer the question. What? It's very simple. Go ahead. CNN, MSNBC, New York Times, Washington Post, NBC, ABC, CBS, liberal or not. Yes, but you're new. Ah, neg- get off the phone. I'll be right back.
2: He's here. He's here.
0: Broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin.
1: Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-381. So much to do, so little time, and I mean that. I want to circle back to this issue of what they're now calling family separation when it comes to illegal aliens family separation in none of the discussions that I see on television none of them is any responsibility placed at the feet of the illegal alien adult, the parent who comes into this country breaks our laws then if caught has to be processed through an administrative law system. If they bring their minor children, the minor children have to be separated from the illegal alien parent or the minor child will be detained in the same adult facility if they are detained at all as the adult. Now I pointed out something yesterday which must have been brilliant because the Attorney General has basically repeated the same thing. In our own country, when a parent or parents are sent to prison, we don't send the children with them too. The children have to be cared for. Maybe they're cared for by their grandparents or uncles and aunts, perhaps an elderly cousin, or child services. Not exactly, but similar Steps are taken with an illegal alien's child. They are not put in dog cages. They are protected. They are fed. They are clothed. They are housed on your dime. So let's go back to the beginning. The fault lies with the adult or adults who come into this country illegally with their children. Because what they figure is, if I can get my child in... Then we can get chain migration and we're set. The adult needs to be processed. Legally processed. If you do not separate the adult from the child, the child goes through the same processing system and winds up in adult detention if they're detained at all. Now, there are proposals to do away with this. I would be very, very interested to know what kind of proposal they have in mind but i can tell you the kind of proposal nancy pelosi has in mind and all the hacks at univision have in mind and all the ethnic front groups have in mind and mexico among other countries has in mind and that is you give the adult a pass in the name of the child that's exactly what's going on here that's why it's all of a sudden come up the president of the united states has already gone more than halfway First, he opposed DACA. DACA is unconstitutional. The House of Representatives brings a lawsuit. It wins. We all talk about presidential tyranny, and it's a fiat. Now, all of a sudden, we all are supposed to embrace it. The Republicans embrace it. The president embraces it. And not just for 700,000 people who signed up for DACA, but all 1.8 million who've come here before 2007. to be given legal residency, and then, of course, move on to citizenship. 1.8 million. 1.8 million. But for the Democrats, it's not enough. And so now, all of a sudden, after decades of this practice, decades, all of a sudden, it's inhumane. Wasn't inhumane under Obama, and, and they're trashing Trump, saying he's a liar because Trump said... The Democrats passed the law. The Democrats passed the law. Turns out it's not a law. But it was a policy under Obama. There's no question about it. It was, in fact, a policy. But the media, the let's pay off the FBI media, the New York Times, the Holocaust denier, yes, for them, this is crucial. Trump's a liar, Trump's a liar, Trump's a liar. Because they want this issue resolved a certain way. And of course, then the president says, yes, I don't like this either. And then when they have different religious leaders saying, yes, we shouldn't be separating this one from that one. Did you hear about any of this during the presidential debates from either party? Not a word. Did any of the moderators, all of whom come out of the media, even raise this question? Not one. It wasn't even an issue. Now, now it's as if the United States is running Nazi concentration camps according to one contributor over there at MSLSD. Yes. yes. Now we're running Nazi concentration camps. Now that Obama's gone, we're running Nazi concentration camps. Now that Obama's gone, we gotta, we got to address this issue. And that's what Trump's talking about. Where the hell was everybody? And the question is, where the hell was everybody? So there's a practical reason for why this is done. And in the United States, I'll repeat it again, so maybe the Deputy Attorney General can listen to this. When we send adults to our prisons, if we send a father and mother both to prison for, say, embezzlement, what happens to their children? Nobody even asks. Let's say in this case we're talking about an American citizen and his name is Paul Manafort. And let's say he's got minor children. Would CNN and MSNBC and Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and Univision give a damn? Of course they wouldn't give a damn about his children. They could care less. They're not dreamers, you know. It's the dreamers we got to worry about. Not American citizen children. They don't mind if American citizen children are separated from their parents when laws are enforced. They don't even discuss it, even when it comes to their vaunted criminal justice reform. You never hear about it, do you? Koch brothers haven't brought it up. What's the idiot's name on CNN? Can't remember, the Marxist, whatever his name He doesn't bring it up. None of them do. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, right? This is an issue. We didn't even know about it. Now it's an issue. And we have to end it immediately. I have an idea. I have a compromise. I have a compromise. Build the wall. Secure the southern border. Then less parents will be dragging their kids into this country. And we will protect those kids because they will not be separated from their parents. Do you like that idea, Mr. Producer? The fewer illegal aliens who come into this country, the less separation there is. What's wrong with the live-in proposal? It sounds like a perfect compromise. Because the Democrats don't believe in any of this. That's why. The media don't believe in any of this. They pretend they're compassionate. They're not compassionate in the least. They're leftists, that's all. They're leftists, that's all. I'll be right back. Much love in. You notice how these issues, from a common sense perspective or a conservative perspective, one and the same, are never discussed accurately in the media. I just walked through with you very, very basic stuff on this immigration issue and you simply will not hear that on most of the media. It just isn't going to happen. Anyway, so I wanted to point that out. Now, the President of the United States has ordered tariffs on $50 billion of Chinese imports. And he said he's putting tariffs on these particular imports mostly technology related because China is stealing our technology it's shaking down our corporations and it devalues its currency now understand Canada doesn't do that I know Japan doesn't do that Mexico doesn't do that China does And I've said over and over and over again, I believe in trade and commerce, but I believe there's a national security exception. And in the case of China, there is a key, crucial, major national security exception. And the president is absolutely right to do this, in my opinion. And then China slaps a 25% tariff on about $34 billion worth of our products, hitting mostly agriculture. And the way the media are reporting this is that Trump has launched a trade war with China. Now, China's been in a trade war with us for a decade. China's been stealing our technology, not competing, not even just putting tariffs, stealing our technology. China has forced companies that do business in China to surrender their technology their proprietary information their patent information through this phony setup where they must partner with a local Chinese company it is a state front company and they partner for the purpose of allowing the Chinese government to steal our research and development And when you read the reports from the Pentagon, and when you read the reports from our intelligence agencies, you can go online and read them. This is how China has built up its military. This is how China has built up its economy. It is crucial to China to steal from us. And finally, I'm not talking about a lumber fight with Canada. Finally, we have a president who's taking on China. China is our greatest threat. That's right. China is our greatest threat. Because China plays the long game. If you saw Levin TV a couple of days ago, I spent a lot of time on all the aspects of what China doing geopolitically, militarily, economically, in terms of spreading its ideology by buying influence in universities and institutions and so forth. It is a top-down, iron-fisted police state, and more so every passing day. It always amazed me when people said, well, look at China, it's capitalist. No, it's not. People aren't free to invest in whatever they want to invest. People aren't free to purchase whatever they want to purchase. It's never been in the, case, the case in China. It's an autocracy. It's an autocracy. So, Trump isn't escalating a trade dispute. Trump hasn't triggered a trade war. Trump is engaging the country that's been involved in a trade war with us for a decade. Stealing our most important information. China has launched cyber warfare against us on top of all the rest of it. Our private companies are ripped off. Their data is ripped off. They've attacked our governmental institutions to gather intelligence, including on our federal employees with the Office of Personnel Management. China's on the offense. China wants to become the most powerful superpower on the face of the earth. I remember 20 years ago 25 years ago, when they shouldn't e- they couldn't even shoot a rocket in space. It would blow up right there in the launching pad. Until Bill Clinton and his buddies gave or sold technology to the Chinese. Now they have missiles. They're Merv with multiple warheads. They're building aircraft carriers. They're building stealth jets. They stole our stealth technology. This is a perfect example. They stalled our F-16 technology. It's not that they have come across some great economic experiment. They're thieves. The Chinese government and its officials there. Not only is the president putting these tariffs in place, the president is now putting in place a regime of, of standards and procedures that make it more difficult for China to buy or small, budding technology companies... ...or to buy big chunks of our major technology companies. I don't think we're doing enough. Mark, I thought you were a free trader. I am! I said there's a national security exception. You do not give technology... ...to your enemy. And we have export controls... ...at the Commerce Department... ...and for even more significant transfers... ...export controls at the State Department, but the United States Chamber of Crony Capitalism and a number of corporations that make technological devices or machines or jets or what have you, they work over these bureaucrats at Commerce and the State Department. They want these standards lessened so they can sell more and more of their stuff overseas, including to countries like China. And in the Obama administration, they relented. You know, one day a book will be written about the enormous damage that that administration did to this country. In foreign policy and here at home. It, it, it just such a wrecking ball. Obama was such a wrecking ball. Fundamentally screwed up the country. What the president is doing with China is correct. And we need to do more and we will do more. We have to crack down on China. Not just a campaign pledge, it's even more important than that. He's president now and he sees what the hell they're doing. They're flexing their military muscle. You know, they've been flexing their military muscle for a decade. At the same time, we were eviscerating our military. What kind of people do that? You run for office to be president of the United States or get elected to the Senate or the House. Don't you do that because you love your country? Here again, and I don't want to be a broken record on this because it could be monotonous, utterly boring. Where have the media been on all this? Let me me give you an example. I'm going to read you the beginning of this story from NBC. President Donald Trump brought the world's two biggest economies to the brink of a trade war Friday by announcing a 25% tariff on up to $50 billion in Chinese imports to take effect July 6th. Is that what he's doing, ladies and gentlemen? Beijing quickly responded that it would retaliate with penalties of the same scale on American goods, and it spelled out details to impose tariffs on 545 U.S. exports, including farm products, autos, and seafood, according to the Xinhao State News Agency. Uh, These state news agencies would be the equivalent of, say, NPR, PBS, and even more broadly, CNN, MSNBC, NBC, ABC, CBS. What do you mean, state news agency? Trump's in power. not nothing to do with Trump. They represent big government in the left. Now, let's see what else is here. The prospect of a U.S.-China trade war weighed on financial markets. They go on and on and on. How about protecting our employees? How about protecting our entrepreneurs and our businesses? How about protecting our research and development? Hundreds of billions of dollars stolen from us. How about... Looking at the Chinese government as the embezzlers, as the thieves, as the robbers that they are. Maybe we should just pretend. Maybe maybe call them Paul Manafort. Then they'll really get angry. The left out there.
2: Yeah, get him! Get him! Get him!
1: I'll be right back.
3: here, The Mark Levin Show. Call in at 877-381-3811.
1: All right, as you know, it's Friday, so we keep the foot on the gas pedal, but we also want your participation. You're kind enough to listen. So let's jump in. Let us go to Joe Carbondale, Illinois, the great WJPF. Go.
3: Hey, Mark. You were talking about uh China buying up everything. Uh, all their
1: no, products. I wasn't talking about China buying up everything. I was talking about China stealing our technology.
3: Okay, well, I was going to say that they're buying up the uh, farmland and stuff as well, secretly. Now, they bought up Smithland Farms, which is the world's largest pork producer, which I consider strategic. So they're going to put tariffs on pork, which they own.
1: They're going to put tariffs on pork, which they own? Well, that doesn't make sense.
3: Why would would they put
1: tariffs on pork that they... You know, I do remember about 30 years ago, maybe it was 25 years ago, when the Japanese economy was really, really hot. And protectionists were saying, they're buying our buildings, they're buying our real estate, they're buying our farms, and in many ways, they were buying a lot of stuff. Then their economy collapsed, and uh, we bought a lot of it back, and we bought it at a fire sale. I'm not as worried about them buying things and stuff I'm worried about them stealing things and stuff where they can aim missiles at us where they can uh, steal our technology and things of that sort that's my, my, my greatest concern Joe
3: wasn't that Loral?
1: was it Laurel it was one of them wasn't it
3: I think it was Laurel
1: uh, you know that sounds right you got a good memory Joe
3: uh, that's about the only thing I got left. It's good. <laughs> okay,
1: all right. Thank you, brother. Appreciate your call. I don't even know if I have that left. Let us go to Bob, Baltimore, Maryland. Go right ahead, sir. The great WCBM country.
5: I'm calling you about the, the flood of uh, trademark applications from China. It was in the Wall Street Journal. The so what, what, sir? A, I didn't hear you. I'm sorry. A flood of trademark. applications applications. from
1: china okay
5: right and they're flooding the u.s patent office to the point where they're they're overwhelmed they can't even do normal patents with the united states according to the wall street journal may 5th 2008 and and
1: what are they flooding us with what kind of you said trademark applications for what
5: well all types of electronics uh circuit boards uh Different products, transistors, uh, different type of electronic products that are being sold, and many of them.
1: But let me let me slow you down. Now, are these products that are being made here by companies that they have purchased or taken majority stakes in?
5: These are com- these are companies that here have made these patents, but by putting these patents in, they hope to challenge their initial patents.
1: Oh well, that's different. You're saying they're putting in a slew of patent challenges, not it has nothing to do with trademarks.
5: And and they're basically—
1: We need to be be clear what we're talking about. You're saying that they are challenging all these patents that are coming in. Most of them, I'm guessing, have to do with technology. Is that what you're saying? Correct. Okay.
5: And basically, to sum it up, they're saying that the patents they're getting from the Chinese are filled with false information and false claims. In other words, they didn't really own the patents. But by doing this, they can slow down any litigation and really tie things up for years. It's a strategy i mean Unbelievable. They're, they're, see, uh, that's just number one number two i'm I'm where Johns Hopkins University is. I know some professors that work there. I can tell you that the Chinese are filling our universities with with students. And they are stealing all the technology and get their hands on.
1: I have no doubt about it because these colleges are gluttonous. They don't care. They uh, they they uh, they encourage uh, foreign students to come into their into their universities because they see it as a uh, as a cash cow. They really do.
5: Well, let me tell you this. I've had people I know personally that have told me they're the, they're the only local person from America. I'm sorry, American in classes filled with economics. And technology, and I'm talking about classrooms and Johnson. I don't classroom.
1: mind them in our economics classes, maybe they'll learn something, but they're really not there to learn economics, they?
5: One other thing, one last point. Near near NSA, there's a casino, and a, a couple of years ago, I saw in our paper here where the casino had taken in some Chinese investors. Follow me. They took in the Chinese investors. Then I read later that by doing that, they were they were enabling. Chinese could put X amount of their citizens in this casino or in the area without normal. Uh, so
1: you're saying expenses. they brought in spies? I'm saying
5: it could have.
1: Yeah, I'm I, saying you're right, and, and I don't saying, put and I don't put anything past this uh, Chinese government.
5: And this this particular casino is about five miles from NSA.
1: hmm
5: It's all public record, Mark.
1: Yep. All right, Bob. I appreciate your call. Appreciate your call. Let us go to uh, Robert, Albany, New York, the great WGDJ. Go.
6: Hey, Mark. Hello, and thank you for all you do. Thank you, sir. The uh, New York State Attorney General's office is going after the Trump Foundation for Mm -hmm. donating more than 100 percent of their taken-in donations to charity. The same office under Schneiderman. Let Hillary off the hook, the Clinton Foundation, off the hook.
1: I I mentioned that yesterday.
6: Oh, you did? I'm sorry, I didn't hear it. It's
1: all right.
6: uh, When Schneiderman was the AG here in New York, um, the Clinton Foundation took in $225 million from foreign donors and did not disclose them on required New York state financial forms and Schneiderman mm-hmm. did nothing about it. In Hillary Clinton's first year as Secretary of State, 2009, the Clinton Foundation took in $122 million in foreign donations and Schneiderman allowed them to not disclose their the sources of their foreign donations.
1: Mhm. Yeah, this is uh, this is uh, lucky. I'm at a loss for words anymore to explain how the left operates in the media, how they operate when it comes to law enforcement and so forth. Um, They are just relentlessly focused on their agenda, and they have definitely criminalized politics. That's what what Robert Mueller is all about, criminalizing the last election. Thank you for your call, Robert. Let's continue. George, Louisville, Kentucky, XM Satellite. Go.
3: Hey, Mark. Th- thanks for taking my call, first yes, time sir. caller. Thank you. And, uh, Mark, I, I watched the interview with the president this morning on Fox News. And, um, Ducey kind of pressed him on the fact that this is his justice department. And I want your take on what it's going to take for President Trump to. I know the optics aren't good on it. Of course, nothing's good for the libs, but, uh, what can he do?
1: Well, let's do it a little differently. What do you want him to do?
3: Well, I'd like to see him get involved. It's so frustrating. He's doing a great job in my what opinion. What do you want him to do? Well, I want him to go after, uh, like like Sessions, he re- recused himself.
1: Do you want him to fire Sessions?
3: Yes, absolutely. Okay,
1: now what do you think happens? you got to think it through. You know Washington, you know the media. What happens when he fires Sessions?
3: Well... We've got to find a replacement for him, but it,
1: no. I mean, what happens when he fires Sessions? Politically, what happens?
3: Well, it, I mean, it doesn't look good. Well, that's for one thing. I mean, think
1: the you think the House will impeach him?
3: No, yeah, I never thought of that. I didn't I? Didn't think now. Let's that say way. he
1: gets rid of Sessions. I can tell you that the, the Democrats will all vote together, and they'll get. 80 to 100 Republicans at least in the House to impeach the president. It's a midterm election. They're all a bunch of rats jumping uh, jump and ship. Uh, they show no loyalty at all to this president. What do you think will happen in the Senate?
3: Yeah, and you've got the never-Trumpers on the on the Republican side. Um, yeah,
1: and so I think what the president is thinking is he would like Sessions to resign. So he comes out there and hammers Sessions every now and then, but Session won't. And I have to be honest with you. I told you, the whole world, I, I've known Sessions for 30 years. We weren't fast friends. I mean, we are friends, fast friends, but we weren't social buddies. And, and I really felt that a couple of months ago it was time for him to step down. Not because he's a terrible guy. He's actually a very good man. I just think that he's caught himself in this pickle here. And his service is not only to the country, it's to the man who appointed him. And since he's not able to do the job in a fulsome way... Somebody else needs to be able to do it. And then I get an email from a buddy of mine on Capitol Hill who says, what are you talking about, Mark? Then we'll have Rosenstein as the attorney general. Well, of course we won't. The president can make a recess appointment, which would last to the end of the next Congress, and he can make another recess appointment uh, because I can assure you the Democrats in the Senate will not allow the president uh, to make a permanent appointment during the course of his administration to replace Sessions. So the problem is it creates a whole domino effect it's easy for us to sit around the dinner table and say, you know, you ought to follow Sessions, pass the spaghetti. Uh, but it would be one hell of a mess. See what I'm saying, George?
3: Yeah, thank you for what you do. Uh, just Now, now,
1: George, I'm in the mood for spaghetti.
3: Yeah, well, you're talking to an Italian, so that would sound good right about now.
1: <laughs> All right, George, thanks for your call, buddy. All right. You got it there, Mr. Producer. Let me find it here. Oh, yeah. You know, nothing can put a dent into your summer plans quite like your car breaking down. You're hit with a huge repair bill out of nowhere, and all the money you saved for an island getaway now has to pay to fix your car. Well, when you have extended vehicle protection like I do on our 2010 Camaro from CarShield, you don't have to worry about the unwelcome surprises. Now look, if your car breaks down after the manufacturer's warranty expires, you could be out-of-pocket thousands to get it fixed. Replacing your engine alone can cost thousands. Even a simple repair to a sensor can cost over a 1000 bucks. There's nothing simple about today's cars. CarShield makes the process of fixing your car for a covered repair super easy. You can have your favorite mechanic or dealership do the work. It's your choice. They also provide 24-7 roadside assistance and a rental car while yours is being fixed. For free. So if your car has 5,000 to 150,000 miles, it doesn't mean you have to pay high repair bills. Car Shield administrators have paid out close to $2 billion in claims and they're ready to help you. Save yourself thousands in future car repairs and don't worry about missing out this summer. Get covered by the ultimate extended vehicle protection like we do. Call 800CAR6100 and mention code LeVIN. Or visit carshield.com and use code LEVIN, that's L-E-V-I-N, to save 10%. That's carshield.com, code LEVIN, or call 800 mention code LEVIN. A deductible may apply, and we'll be right back.
2: Mark Levin.
1: Happy Father's Day to all you fathers and grandfathers and great grandfathers out there. And uh, I want to wish a happy Father's Day to my father, Jack Levin, who just turned 93 years old on Monday. Uh, Great father, wonderful father, grandfather, great grandfather, and uh, husband to my mother. I just can't say enough. Whatever I am is due to my parents. My values, my beliefs, my principles, they started me out on this journey. They gave me support. We would have very, very tough debates around the breakfast table and around the dinner table. I mean loud sometimes in disagreement. Not over fundamental principles, but over, you know, nuance. And uh, I also remember as a kid, my parents encouraged me to follow my dreams when I wanted to run for the local school board and I was 19 years old they encouraged me to do it Then they went door to door with me and uh, when I decided to to do a whole bunch of different things as a young man to go off to uh, Richardson, Texas originally to work for Texas Instruments Uh, my mother got in the car and drove me there and then when I decided to move into the Reagan administration my father flew there and we drove all the way back I can even remember a time, I think I was 20 or 21 years old, when I went on this international trip, a handful of us, uh, to Europe. And my father drove me from, uh, we lived in Cheltenham Township, Pennsylvania, right outside of Philly. He drove me early in the morning to Washington, D.C., where we stayed at this uh, small hotel. We were going to leave the next morning very early. And I dropped my passport in the house somewhere. He drove all the way back to Philadelphia and then drove all the way back to Washington, D.C., got me my passport. Early the next morning, about 5 or 6 in the morning, because we needed to get on the bus at 7 in the morning, then he drove all the way back again to Philadelphia. That's Philadelphia, Washington, Washington, Philadelphia, Philadelphia, Washington, and Washington, Philadelphia. I'll never forget it. They would do anything for us, and I will do anything for them. So happy Father's Day, Pop. I don't even know if you hear this right now. He's with my mother, who is uh, in the hospital right now. Anyway, uh, where am I, Mr. Producer? Let's see. Oh, yes, simply safe. In 2017, the Better Business Bureau heard more than 5,000 complaints about alarm companies. Now, that puts home security in the top 10% of most complained about industries. Now, here's how you fix home security. You do what my friends over at Simply Safe did. Simply Safe got rid of contracts and hidden fees. They work hard to earn their customers' business instead of relying on tricks and fine print. Simply Safe is a company that treats you right. Now, how rare is that today? A company that relies on good service and a great product to earn your business. I've known Simply Safe for years. We use Simply Safe. They're good people. It's why they got an A, an A plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, and why they've had one for ten years running. And there are over forty thousand five star reviews of this system online. Simply Safe is what home security should be. You're getting the best protection. Period. Learn more about Simply Safe today at simplysafemark.com. That's simplysafemark.com. To protect your home and family with an A-plus home security system, and it truly is. simplysafemark.com All right. Let us continue, shall we? Uh, let's go to Raj, Vienna, Virginia. Go right ahead, my friend. Raj, shut your radio. Go right ahead. All right, we're going to have to move on. Let us go to – once you hear me pop right on, you got to shut your radio. Shannon! Colorado Springs, XM Satellite. Go
3: right ahead.
5: Hey, got a, got a question for you, and it might, yeah. I might need a little education on this. But um, I'm retired law enforcement. And, you know, we have everybody going after Trump, and nobody's going after Hillary. And I remember a situation. I can't remember the case, but you had a district attorney that didn't want to prosecute a crime. And I can't remember what state it was in, but what happened was that the the local government or the people came together and they compelled the proce- uh, the district attorney to prosecute the crime. There was a process in place in order where there's a district attorney who doesn't want to prosecute. And then there was a there was a process in order to force him to prosecute or force him to. Uh, him.
1: There is no the, the there really is no process here. I mean, district attorneys typically are elected. You're talking about uh, the Justice Department officials who are all appointed. None of them are elected. U.S. attorneys all appointed and confirmed. None of them elected. Um, So it's quite difficult. The the only process I can think of is a writ of mandamus. A writ of mandamus is an action brought by somebody who has standing. None of us have standing under uh, federal procedural law. A writ of mandamus is a a, a motion you bring in front of a federal judge to compel a federal official to do their job. But uh, the way the system is set up, we do not have standing to do that. So I can't think of any other way to accomplish what you're talking about. And I do want to thank you for your law enforcement service, sir. Take care of yourself. All right, we'll be right back.
0: in the bowels of a hidden bunker somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello everybody, Mark Levin here,
1: our number 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. A couple interesting things out there in addition to all the rest. Fox News did a poll. They did a poll of uh, political correctness. They did a poll related to the NFL. I thought it was quite interesting. Has political correctness gone too far in the United States? Most voters say yes and think it often hurts the country by a 68 to 19% margin. The latest Fox News poll finds voters feel political correctness has gone too far. Now here's the thing: if you took this poll among uh, individuals who live and work in uh, the left, various nonprofit groups, uh, leadership of the Democrat Party, those types of people, uh, you would find it reverse, that they do not think. There's enough political correctness Because they're the ones forcing it upon the nation So by 68 to 19% The latest Fox News poll Shows that uh, voters feel political correctness Has gone too far That's pretty close to what it was In September 2017 Slightly more And voters see fallout Nearly half, 46% Think political or business leaders Frequently make bad decisions Because they are worried about Being politically correct and another 34% feel it happens sometimes. So 15% thinks it's not very often or hardly ever. Yet the reverse is true when voters are asked about themselves. When asked how often they stop themselves from saying something because they think someone might call them racist or sexist, 63% say not very often or hardly ever. Far fewer believe they frequently, that's 12%, or sometimes 23% self-edit their comments. The National Football League, second issue related to this, got sacked again by low favorability ratings just weeks after the league's May 23 announcement of a national anthem rule. The NFL, Listen to this. The NFL's popularity continues to lose ground with 42% viewing the league favorably, down from 46% in 2017 and 64% in 2013. I think this latest riff with uh, Laurie, the uh, left-wing kook owner of the Eagles, and the the radicals on that team. No, they're not all radicals. Several of them are not. But obviously it's the radicals with the big mouths and uh, who who, who like to go to the knee. So in 2013, it was 64% popularity. Now it's down to 42%. The poll also marks the first time more voters have a negative view of the NFL, 43% unfavorable, than a positive one, albeit by just 1%. The NFL's new National Anthem rule garners a 61% approval rating despite the low opinion of the league. One-third disagrees with requiring players who are on the field before games to stand during the National Anthem. So two-thirds want them to stand and be respectful. Black voters, 56%, This is the Fox poll, are twice as likely as white voters, 28% that dislike the new rule, and five times as many Democrats, 54% as Republicans, 10% disapprove. Recent controversies, the handling of sexual assault cases, brain trauma controversies, the anthem issue seem to have taken a toll on attitudes toward the NFL as an institution says Republican pollster Darren Shaw who conducts the Fox News poll with Democrat Chris Anderson these attitudes don't necessarily mean people won't watch or go to games but they're clearly a cause for concern among NFL officials so it's quite obvious we've talked about this at some length they have not just politicized the NFL but politicized it in one direction for progressives the left is eviscerating the NFL the left is eviscerating the NFL. They like to destroy the status quo. So they're destroying the NFL like they destroy other institutions. And uh, the owners are trying to grapple with this. The problem is, sportscasters, at least by my observation, tend to be very liberal. Again, that's the rule. There are exceptions. Some of them are actually uh, trying to be professionals and objective. But most of them are extremely liberal. And they defend this kind of conduct. Now, of course, sports sportscasters on ESPN or Fox or NBC or these other networks and so forth, they would never do what the football players are doing. They would never do what they advocate for for the football players. Why? They'd lose their jobs. That's why. And how the hell could you have a, a broadcast with viewers if you're busy protesting? Even early on. You do not see broadcasters at the beginning of their broadcast taking a knee or putting their fist in the air. They would either be fired or they'd lose whatever little audience they have. But what too many sports broadcasters do not understand, and obviously many athletes, is there's a world outside Of ESPN. There's a world outside of NBC Sports. There's a world outside of Fox Sports. And many, many people who may not necessarily watch those cable channels frequently or regularly still have, at least in the past, been fans of various sports and sporting teams and have paid to attend the games. They're not part of this liberal mentality whether it's the broadcasters or the athletes they go to a game or they take their kid to a game because they want to be lost in the game they don't want to hear the same crap that they have to hear from the left on the news stations and they love their country and they love the flag and they love the national anthem because really they're one and the same and they don't want to hear about social justice Most of these players don't want to hear about it either. I think in many ways it's an excuse, but I don't really care. They believe in it, they believe in it. But that's not the right place and time, and apparently the American people are growing very, very weary of this. Very, very weary of this. Can't say I blame them. I'm not a fan of Politico, generally, particularly the website, the magazine is better. There's a very interesting article in there about Raul Labrador. And he's uh, a congressman from Idaho, from the 1st District. He's a very interesting man uh, whom I've met with from time to time, informally, you know, at events and so forth. And he's more libertarian, I think, than conservative, but he's quite solid. And uh, he makes the point, or let me read part of this to you, was the opening week of the 112th Congress in January 2011, when Raul Labrador, then a rookie congressman representing Idaho's 1st District, joined 86 other Republican freshmen for a series of talks with Speaker John Boehner and his leadership team. Disruption was in the air. It was this group, this rollicking, swaggering, overflowing class of 2010. This is the Tea Party freshmen that allowed Republicans to reclaim the majority in the House of Representatives. They had done so not merely by voting to check President Obama after two years of unified democratic rule, but by declaring war on a flaccid GOP establishment that, in their estimation, had fallen out of touch with the American people. Few incoming members were more bellicose than Labrador, a Puerto Rican-born immigration attorney, who had distinguished himself as a conservative firebrand during two terms in the Idaho State House. Arm of what they felt were clear mandates from their voters, Labrador and his fellow Tea Party freshmen came to transform Congress itself, to stop Washington's spending binge, and to return the Republican Party to its small government functions. Boehner, however, quickly said a few things straight. We talked about this at the time. A number of these newly elected freshmen told me they couldn't believe what was taking place. Campaigning, he told them, was different from governing. With Obama in the White House and a Senate still controlled by the Democrats, incrementalism would be necessary if they were to accomplish anything of substance. The Speaker expected his new colleagues to fall in line. Labrador remembers being appalled first at Boehner's dismissal of their messianic fervor and, by extension, the enthusiasm of their voters, and then at his fellow classmates, many of whom reflexively pledged allegiance to Speaker Boehner. I thought it was a revolution. I thought we were going to completely change the way that Washington worked, Labrador says. Within one week, I'm not exaggerating, he says. I saw a large majority of my class saying essentially, whatever you need us to do, we will do. And I was sick inside. Many are the members of Congress who arrive in Washington wide-eyed and rearing with optimism only to depart the institution chafed and cynical. But few have grown disillusioned faster than Labrador. I assumed that everyone had the same idealistic mentality that I did, he says. But week after week, I realized that most of the people here just want to keep their jobs and hold on to power. It's one of the reasons I haven't fit into this place very well. And then they go on to trash Labrador. Labrador Labrador is going home. He isn't going home empty-handed. The fundamental question asked in 2010 could these renegade Tea Party actually change how Congress works? The answer is increasingly emphatically yes. In establishing the House Freedom Caucus, a group of some three dozen conservatives who sometimes vote as a block, Labrador and his co founders scrambled Washington's symmetrical partisan warfare by threatening an effective veto over their own party's leadership. One Speaker of the House retired because of these tactics, others on the way out and eager to be rid of them. It is a strange achievement to gain enough power to hamstring the party from inside, but not enough to realize its policy goals. Well, we understand why. We understand why, and Labrador is exactly right. Guys like him, and you know the handful of others, they come under enormous pressure. They are attacked behind the scenes. They are brutalized. This goes for the Senate, too. Mitch McConnell hanging on. I have nothing but contempt for Mitch McConnell because enough senators have told me what he does behind the scenes when the doors are closed, when you don't get to see. And so when there are are pieces celebrating McConnell from George Will, who's supposed to be a conservative-slash-libertarian, from a former friend of mine who worked—or current friend of mine, I just haven't talked to him in a long time, who worked for Human Events, and many, many others praising Mitch McConnell, I say to myself, wow— you cobble together four or five things the guy did in a 12-year period of time, and I can tell you a hundred that he did to undermine the movement that he didn't even have to do. Hell, he's expanded government. Hell, he hasn't changed the national narrative. It's the Tea Party that did that. It's the Reagan Revolution that did that. It's the Trump presidency that has done that. I'll be right back. Mark
2: Levin.
1: out there let's go to boom, boom, i'm just looking see if there's anything particularly interesting there let us go to michael los angeles california 870 the answer go
0: hi good afternoon mr levin uh, I, i'll start with i don't normally agree with you i'm very much left of center uh, but i appreciated your uh skit with uh Scalia, where you showcase what he said about a messy republic and what that is like. So that's something that I thought was really wonderful to hear that perspective. From whoa, whoa, whoa! Scalia. When
1: did I do that? That's some time. That's,
0: ago. That was some time ago. I, I do listen to you. I try to listen to all sides.
1: But I'm just saying that comes out of left field because I, that's 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 a long time ago. But anyway, go right ahead.
0: Um, thank you so much. Um, I'm I am a scientist, and I just wanted to say that. What kind
1: of I, scientist? I'm so sorry. What kind of scientist?
0: I am a research scientist. Um, what do you What do so, you research? Uh, cancer.
1: Okay. Thank you for in doing general. that. Go ahead.
0: Uh, and so, um, one cannot unlearn IP. So, intellectual property is a major force in science and in virtually every aspect of our economy. And there's even a, a you know a article within the Constitution that protects. Uh, intellectual property. And so I'm thinking about how we can't really unlearn that in the scientific community once you see something, whether it's technology or... No, that's uh, true. Uh, The the issue here with patents...
1: Okay, listen to me. The issue here with patents is whose property is it? And that way you can enforce it. It's not that you can't unlearn it. And so if somebody steals the intellectual property and produces something, uh, and it's based on your patent, your R&D, your intellectual firepower, and so forth and so on, you can take legal action to prevent them from doing anything with it. So you can have it between your ears, you just can't do anything tangible with it. Now, if there is a lawless country, like China, and they steal it, which is what we're talking about, then they're flooding the patent office... Patent and Trademark Office with patent challenges to try and prevent the actual uh, inventor of the particular idea or product or whatever it is from using it uh, there are steps that need to be taken and that's why the President slammed China with $50 billion worth of tariffs.
0: Uh, thank you for, for sharing that with me. Um, I, I, I see that side but um, when you have technology... Well, and you it, mentioned the
1: Constitution. That's why it's in the Constitution.
0: Yes, I, I agree 100% with you. Um, but when you have a technology, and let's say we want to advance uh, cancer immunotherapy, that technology, by virtue of the people who do the work, you can improve on that work. So even if you patent Yes, you
1: can. That, and and that, that's, yeah. you can, you can, if you do actually improve upon it mm-hmm. in, some un- in some unique way, you can then file for your own patent.
0: And that's, that's where I'm going with that, that you cannot unlearn the science. and so. But I don't know unlearn- why you
1: keep saying that. I'm not telling people to unlearn the science. It's like the wheel. Once you have a wheel, it doesn't mean you can't do stuff with the wheel. Hey, I have an idea. I'll take the wheel and put it on what we call a car. And maybe you'll patent a car, and I'm talking the most uh, rudimentary. Uh, so what's your point?
0: Basically that uh, the the tariffs will prevent one aspect of lawlessness, but... It cannot prevent improvements on the technology once the technology is stolen.
1: It's they're not intended to 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 uh, uh, eliminate improvements. Now look, you're free to uh, to purchase uh, intellectual property. That is to use it if you pay for it, and then you can try and improve upon it. The whole purpose of the patent scheme, like the trademarks scheme, is to encourage inventive inventiveness to encourage creativity and if it is if people are absolutely lawless and they steal what you have people aren't going to spend the time the resources companies aren't either and what you have is you know a a society that cannot progress uh, from a uh, technological point of view
0: thank you so much for for sharing that with you I, i just wanted to make those comments and uh Thank you so much for giving me uh, the time to It's see. like
1: saying I read a book, but therefore, uh, since I can change some aspects of the book, the copyright doesn't count. Of course, the copyright counts. Doesn't mean you can't write another novel, doesn't mean you can't improve upon something. But you're just not allowed to steal the, uh, the guts and the soul of it. All right, I appreciate it, sir, and keep up the good work. I hope you find some uh, some answers. We'll be right back.
3: Your vote for Mark today for the National Radio Hall of Fame. You can vote by text and email. Text the number 500 to 96000 and vote at RadioVote.com.
1: Hey, folks, I want you to check out Breitbart, a great piece by uh, Joel Pollack. And uh, the media were invited to go to one of these uh, uh, these centers where the children are brought, where the parents are being processed. Uh, who come here illegally. And take a look, because he actually went there and saw one of these um, uh, main facilities and took photos, and it's up there on their site. I've also linked to it on Mark Levin Show Facebook, Mark Levin Show Twitter. That's what reporters used to do. Seriously, go take a look at it, Uh, because you're being fed such, such terrible propaganda. It's just incredible. I'm not encouraging this policy. What I'm saying is this policy has been in place for decades. And when a a parent, an American citizen parent or parents are sent to federal prison, what do you think happens to their kids? Do we hear people saying don't send them to federal prison? Don't separate the parents from the children? We never hear that, do we? We don't even know the children. We don't even know what happens to the children. They don't have any advocates whatsoever. You know, you don't owe thousands to the IRS, do you? Probably not. So you don't know the depths of depression, sleeplessness, and anxiety my listener endured before taking my advice and calling Optima Tax Relief. He owed over $40,000 to the IRS with no way to pay, much less the interest and penalties that compound daily. He was in the IRS crosshairs, aggressive collection calls, threatening letters. And if you want to know what Optima did for my listener and how little he ended up paying the IRS, go to OptimaTaxRelief.com. Watch this verified video and prepare to be impressed. Now, picture yourself with your IRS nightmare in your rear view. That's what Optima does. They know that behind every tax problem are honest, hardworking people, families, homes, savings, paychecks that need protection. And they've resolved over half a billion dollars in tax debt for clients. Why put yourself and your family through this? Visit my friends at OptimaTaxRelief.com or call 800 499-6300, 800-499-6300, 499 6300 and they'll be right there for you. I wanted to bring back our friend, uh, Selena Zito, who wrote this great book, The Great Revolt. It's still hot off the presses, Inside the Populist Coalition, Reshaping American Politics. How are you, Selena?
4: Hi, Mr. Levin. I'm swell. How are you?
1: Doing very, very well. Now, listen, <laughs> you know, the president and I, and you and I may not agree on tariffs when it comes to our allies. But when it comes to China, I sure as hell agree with it, because China is a national security problem. They steal our technology. They are buying up a technology company strategically. I don't even consider China an adversary. I'll be tougher than the president. I consider China an enemy with what it's doing militarily in the South China Sea and all the rest of it. You traveled the country. You went to diners. You went to to, uh, all sorts of places out there. I'm not alone in this, am I?
4: No, absolutely not. I mean, the the, the stealing of, you know, our intellectual property it, it is also ghastly. I mean, that's your intellectual that's our intellectual property. That's the stuff that, you know, people create, people yeah. invent, you know, pe- people work hard, work all their lives to create and then boom. They take that. That's also a national security issue as well. Yes. And and China, I, and people get that. You, you know, if we did in, in the Great Revolt, there is a poll about things that are the top concerns among the voters. And uh, I'm, I'm like right below manufacturing and job creation is, is China. And, their concerns yeah. about, and um, they're concerned about right. sort of. Yeah, they're absolutely right. And people don't pick up on that nuance they don't i think that sort of the intellectuals don't believe that people that live out in the sort of middle part of the country consider and or think about the implications of of sort of the vast array of things that china does to poke at us Uh, but but they do because they, they see it in how it impacts their jobs and they see how that may possibly impact our national security and our privacy yeah. You know, they they feel sort of that they that China may have this ability to to you know um, inflict on their privacy and also buying up companies in this country.
1: Selena Zito, let me ask you about this. This inspector general report comes out, and we find out that the senior level of the FBI, some of them anyway, are trashing Trump supporters and not just Trump supporters. The broad swath of the American people that don't necessarily live in Manhattan or Greenwich Village or uh, or Beverly Hills. I mean, this is a mentality that's even at the top levels of the FBI. Right. And
4: and just, and and what they don't understand is people already suspected this. People already believed that this may be what is happening on all levels of government, not just in the former pre, you know, the former administration, not just among Democrats. But they believe it is deeply rooted in the bureaucracy that makes the wheels turn in this country. So when people, when, when President Trump, when he first came into office and right before he was inaugurated, was railing uh, against, uh, you know, some of the uh, undercurrent within uh, the FBI, within the intelligence service, you know, the, my profession sort of lost its mind. But it, but the voters didn't because they understood that that culture uh, prevails uh, within these institutions. That's why populism today is a modern, is is not the populism of the 1930s uh, mm-hmm. when it was just against Wall Street and just, just against Big Bang And was was this kind of progressivism. it was very progressive. But this is a healthy skepticism against all. Things big, not just big government. I mean, or it's also big Hollywood. Look how Hollywood treats people. Look how it looks down their nose noses at people. I mean, they understand that that there is an entire sort of um, hierarchy that that views people in the middle part of the country with contempt, and that was part of this populist coalition. They, They see. Like they think of Silicon Valley, monopoly is this way. Look how Google treated the um, the two uh, um, uh legislators in California. I, I believe they called them uh, one called a a, a a a Nazi or something like that. I can't remember what the exact words were. Uh you know, so it's it's also Silicon Valley. It's also the National Football League. It's also Hollywood. It's, it's Let me it's, let me stop you there. It's government
1: by the way, Mister Producer, go ahead and put this book, please, link to Amazon on Mark Levin Show Facebook, Mark Levin Show Twitter. Okay. Well,
2: Let's talk about the
1: NFL very quickly because yeah. before we run out of time, the numbers are cratering. I mean, in twenty thirteen, sixty some odd percent of the American people were very high on the NFL. Yep. Now it's down in the forties. And 34. I actually think the, uh, what is it, 34?
4: It's 34%. We did we did a, uh, a poll for the book.
1: I think most of the owners, not all of I them. Mean, you got this guy, Laurie, that owns, unfortunately, the Eagles, a team I like a lot, but I don't like him at all. Um, yeah. <clears throat> I think the the owners are trying to figure out what to do about it, but then you have some of these players who really don't give a damn, do they?
4: No, they absolutely don't. They have nothing but contempt which is interesting because these are the uh, they have contempt for the people that are are uh, are paying for the tickets and, and those tickets cost a lot of money. Well yes. If you went in a dictionary and you looked NFL fan up, it would say blue collar worker, right? Mm-hmm. But they their numbers have dropped so deeply among blue collar and you know somewhat educated and and or just bachelor degree um, uh, uh, fans.
1: What about you know, some lawyers like, like me?
4: Well, you know, post their fan base now is our PhD. Yes, that's who loves the NFL. PhDs. What? What? Yeah, you know, my my suggestion would be: Where's their headquarters? Park Avenue, New York. Mm. Why don't you move to Canton? Okay, and start. I think you'll make better choices or have more people in the C-suite that have a variety of backgrounds so that you're not make desi- making decisions based on the zip code that you live in. And maybe you should make decisions based on the zip code of where the your fan base.
1: I, I have another idea. Or conversely, move the headquarters where they believe social justice is required, in the <laughs> inner cities of some of the toughest cities in the country. Why don't they do that?
4: Yeah, absolutely. Same difference. Be, if you're, if, in other words, be who you say you are. And mm-hmm. and and they're not. They're Park Avenue. Your average, your, your average, uh, football fan uh, doesn't live in Park Avenue, mm-hmm. and and they're not connected. I mean, that's that's across the board, Mark. That's not just in the New York. But United. your average football that's player
1: could live on Park Avenue if he wanted to.
4: Oh, the players, yeah, yeah. absolutely. But you know, there was, think about this: when 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 Mr. Hoover made Hoover vacuum cleaners a hundred years ago, where did he live? He lived a block away from the factory. He went to mm-hmm. church with uh, with the people that he worked with. His kids went to school with it. People were, were more connected with the companies that they ran. Now, if you look at government, you look at look at the political parties. I I think that the Republican Party should move to Columbus, Ohio. They'd make Mm -hmm. much better ads because they'd actually understand the people that are voting voting for them. Mm -hmm. Think about Hollywood. There's not enough people that went to had a state education or grew up in a blue-collar background who sit in a pew but own a gun who might be pro-life.
1: Well, Selena, I want to thank you very much. Again, outstanding book. I want to encourage Americans, Levinites, to purchase the book, read the book. It's a very, very fascinating book. And it's a reporter's book. It's not just your opinion. You went out there and you got facts, which is very unusual today, by the way.
4: Yeah, there's none of my opinion in there. It's everything that I learned from the people that put um, Donald Trump into office.
1: And I've known you a long time, and I've known you to be a very honest reporter. And God bless you, my friend. Have a great weekend.
4: (laughs) Thank you, Mark. Have a great weekend. All
1: right, take care. I strongly encourage you to read. The book is fascinating. Um, Would you pay your hard-earned money to join an organization that fought tooth and nail for a government-run health care system? How about an organization that scripted portions of White House speeches behind closed doors to ensure the passage of Obamacare? Or an organization that stood against tax cuts for middle-class Americans and small business owners? Would you join that organization? No. Well, I'm talking about the AARP. Don't join the AARP. Instead, join AMAC the conservative alternative instead. AMAC offers an alternative to just about every benefit the AARP offers, but without the left-wing agenda. Become an AMAC member right now at amac.us. Wouldn't you rather belong to an organization that fights for your values, like protecting our borders by enforcing you know, uh, our existing immigration laws or supporting small business, so forth and so on? AMAC is the way to go. I am a member of AMAC. There's a ton of work to be done and AMAC is asking that you help them fight the good fight by becoming a member today. And by the way, when you become a member, you get great benefits and great discounts. Great benefits and great discounts and a great cause, our cause. Join right now at amac.us. That's a m a c.us. AMAC is better, better for you and better for America. We'll be right back.
2: Much love in.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, it's Friday. Mark, tell us something we don't know. All right, it's Friday. Happy Father's Day to all you dads, granddads, and great granddads out there. Hope you have a wonderful Sunday, including my great dad, Jack Levin. Uh, Don't forget to watch us this Sunday on Life, Liberty, and Levin, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. Many of you are, which is why we have such great ratings, but. In turn, I try to provide you a really good show. Sunday night, and I know you have other things to do. And so I hope it's becoming a weekly habit with you. And also, finally, I hope you'll check out the uh, National Hall of Fame site. and Give us a vote if you can. Text the number 500 to 96,000. It's almost over. It's over on Monday. 500 to 96,000. That's 96 and three zeros. And also go to RadioVote.com, where you can also vote, so you can have the two votes, uh, and check us out there and give us a vote there. Maybe you can ask your family and friends to do the same thing. I wish they did do it this way over at the National Radio Hall of Fame, but this is the way they do it. So there's really nothing I can do about it. I'm just amazed uh, and pleased that they nominated us, because I don't view this really as the Mark Levin show. I view this as our show. And, uh, and I very much am blessed and appreciate you folks out there, too. Uh, and by the way, it's the president's birthday today, isn't it? Or was it yesterday? He turned 72, and we want to wish him a happy birthday, too. All right, folks, every Friday since I've been on the air, America, in honor of you, my beloved audience. Here we go. It is finally over. The weekend begins right now. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. Good night, Spritey. Good night, Griffey. Good night, Pepsi. Good night, Smokey. Good night, Zelda. Get Al-Qaeda. Get the Taliban. Get ISIS. Get Hezbollah. Get all those subhuman cockroaches. Happy Father's Day. Check out Life, Liberty, and Levin on Sunday. And God bless each and every one of you.